Hello, everyone. This is John Byrne with Poets and Quants. You're listening to Business Casual, our weekly podcast, with my co-host, Maria Wickvilla, who is the founder of Applicant Lab, and Caroline Diarty Edwards, the co-founder of Fortuna Admissions and the former director of NCOD. We are here. We're recording this on January 7th. This is the day after our seat of government in America, our shared halls of democracy were invaded, occupied, and vandalized for the first time since the War of 1812. For a moment, at least, American democracy fell to an insurrection incited by the President of the United States. I can't tell you how outraged, how angry I am. I was glued to the television yesterday, as I'm sure many people around the world were. And in looking at what our business community and our business school professors and deans have said about this, they obviously all were outraged as well. Adam Grant at Wharton, famous professor, said, this is a moment to remember that our loyalty belongs to principles over people, truth over tribe, and social institutions over selfish interests. The professor that we named the professor of the year for his open letter organizing the business school community to ask our business leaders to decry Trump wrote in showing on his Twitter feed, the Washington Post headline, this is precisely the kind of newspaper headlines many of us feared when Trump was elected and anticipated when the GOP continued to appease and enable him and warn of in the run-up to the election. It's time for the GOP to repudiate Trump and Trumpism and for all of us to start rebuilding. So I think the big impact here for people in the business school community is largely international. As many people know, the Trump administration, through its anti-immigration rhetoric and through the chaos it's created with work and student visas, has led to a significant decline in interest in education in America by the world's population. Business schools are highly dependent on international applicants and students. Most of their business models rely heavily on it. We were hoping that there would be a reversal of this disinterest in coming to America to get your education. I think that this event yesterday has scarred this country and scared away many people from taking advantage of the incredible opportunities here in higher education in particular, and as far as we're concerned, management education at the graduate level. I, I want us to try to explain to people outside the United States who may have less of a chance to understand what's going on in this country, what it means, and how you should interpret it. Now, Caroline is our internationalist. Uh-huh. She is currently in France, obviously was brought, uh, born in Britain, as you can tell by her very uh, <laughs> wonderful accent that we all love. And Caroline has lived in many parts of the world. Caroline, what did you make of this? Yeah, I mean, it is absolutely terrifying. And like you, you know, spent the day yesterday glued to the news and absolutely horrified. Um, but 
certainly it's not that surprising, right? It, it's, it, it seems to me it's, you know, it's the, it's the logical conclusion of the rhetoric that we've heard over the past few years. Um, so it, it is, a, you know, a PR disaster for the US. Um, you know, global um, news outlets have been covering this. Um, you know, head, headlines have, have uh, it's, it's made the headlines around the world, clearly. So, so it, it has definitely damaged the U.S.'s reputation, which is already sorely damaged from the last four years as the world sort of looks on in horror at what the U.S. has been doing it to itself. But, I mean, having said that, look, you know, this is the last gasp of, of, of this awful administration, and they will be out, right, in two weeks' time. We have, thank God, um, you know, a much more reasonable president coming into power, much more open-minded, much more internationally minded. Um, it'll be a much more positive environment for, for educational institutions. So whilst this is, um, you know, horrific, it, it's not going to, um, you know, it, it, it will be behind us in a few weeks. And, um, and I think that for students considering coming to the US. And, you know, I think probably there's been an increase in, in applications in round two. The deadlines are just sort of passing now. I'm sure there have been more applications from international candidates who decided to apply after Biden was elected and thinking, you know, it's going to be a more conducive environment um, uh, for, for, for foreigners coming into the US. Um, you know, I, I I think that they they should stay with that, and and that you know the the environment will will change, um, and I would also say you know that this is not representative of what the U.S. stands for. This is this is not what U.S. values are about. Um, I've been living in the U.S. I mean, I'm in France right now, but otherwise resident in the U.S. and have been so for the past five years. I've lived in a lot of different places, and you know, I I can attest it's an you can find yourself in the U.S. in an incredible community, right? The U.S. attracts the best and the brightest from around the world. That is still the case. Um, the U.S. educational institutions are the best in the world. Um, so you, if you have the opportunity to, to study in the U.S., then, um, you know, it's still a great you're going to have a great experience and it's a great long short term and long term bet um so i would encourage people to look beyond the um the, these horrible events and and sort of take a longer term view yeah i mean looking at the pictures and the videos of the people who actually stormed the capitol breaking its windows vandalizing uh the interior occupying offices sitting in the seat of nancy pelosi and uh, mike pence's chair in the senate chambers i have to tell you you won't find any of them at a business school campus <laughs> more importantly oh, i doubt very much you'd find any of them at any university in america <laughs> Uh, these are low information, largely uneducated people who are at the extreme fringes of our society. Yes, there are a lot of people who support Trump because they support Trump based on lower taxes, less regulation of business, and they've made a devil's bargain with a con man to support him. But very few people, very few people support what happened in Washington yesterday. And very few people believe uh, that Trump should stay in office in America today. Um, 
Maria, what's your perspective? We had we had the very positive slant on this from Caroline, and I do agree with all that she said. And I might even add that uh, one other, uh, sadly, uh, less noticed phenomena that just occurred this week was the election of two Democratic senators from Georgia for the very first time, which now allows the Senate to be Democratic control, meaning that uh, we have a Democratic president, a Democratic Senate, a Democratic House, which means that real progress can be made uh, without the sabotage of, of people who were Trump supporters in the Senate. Yeah, I, I mean, look, I, we were we were chatting before we started recording, and I, I, I am more pessimistic, but I'm not pessimistic about MBA, you know, international applicants coming to study their MBA, get an MBA in the U.S. I'm just more pessimistic about certain individual politicians candy coating and trying to, you know, promote mass amnesia amongst all of us and sort of gaslight this <laughs> to be like, I was against Trump all along. I was just, yeah. I was just really quiet about it. Um, no. <laughs> so, so that's the part that really, that concerns me a lot is that a lot of these spineless uh, sycophants who have now realized that the, you know the game is over. They're suddenly like pretending to to be people of integrity. That's the part that really uh, I am not super excited about. But I agree with Caroline. I think that there is there continues. First of all, as, as both of you are pointing out, like <laughs> the people that you saw yesterday storming the Capitol are not necessarily the same ones you are going to find on a business school campus. In fact, John, I'm pretty sure that you guys at Poets and Quants reported a couple months ago that something about 70% of business school students that you guys polled supported Biden. Um, it depends, you know, some of them, you know, 72%. So right off the bat, statistically speaking, there's there's a pretty low chance that you'll be if you do go to business school in the U.S., that you'll be surrounded by by pro-Trump people. And also, as you pointed out, like a lot of them are pro-Trumpers for more selfish reasons, like I own a coal mine <laughs> that pollutes the world <laughs> and I want to keep polluting the world and making money doing so. Therefore, I support Trump. Right? Yeah, so or I don't want to support our government. I don't want to pay taxes. <laughs> I don't want to pay taxes. Um, or you could be like Megan McCain, who now that she's back from maternity leave is like, I think every woman deserves maternity leave. And I'm like, well, <laughs> it, it takes a, it's so funny how like, you know, when the rest of the world is like maternity leave should probably be a mandated thing that all women get to get to have. And other people are like, no, but then they they have a difficult delivery. <laughs> now all of a sudden they're like, oh yeah, never mind. What a, what a great idea. Yeah. yeah no, I, wish, I wish someone else would have thought of that, huh? Uh, but but I, you know, I do I do think that I mean, look, my my hope is that with Biden, Biden in the White House, a democratic control of the other houses, um, I my hope is that not only will things get better in the very short term for immigration policy. But my hope is also that we as a nation can somehow figure out a way to learn from these past four years and start to implement safeguards into the legal system that will prevent it from ever getting this bad again. So that is, that's my optimistic. I was, I was, ne I'm negative about some stuff, but my optimistic thing is that we'll look at things and we'll say, Hmm, should it really be that a, a sitting president can't be indicted for any crime? Like, Huh, maybe we should maybe we should revisit some of these things. So that that's where I'm a little optimistic. And so in in some, you know, the people if you're applying now to business school, you will be arriving probably in August or September of 2021, at which point, you know, hopefully things will be way more back to normal. And so I would not worry about it. Yes. And you know, I and I think you're right. I think things will be much more normal. You know, one of the pieces of the Trump phenomena 
that almost intrigues me the most is this. There is no question that there are a lot of racists in America. There are racists in every society, in every country, and I've seen it all over the world. And I'm sure most people who are well-read and well-traveled have seen it as well. But what Trump allowed and encouraged was for that racism and that anti-government feeling to come out in public. He encouraged it. He embraced it. And people felt welcome to openly express it. It was there. It was hidden from view. But it became open and revealed. And on some level, I'm actually feeling some sense of gratitude to allow all of us in this country to know that it exists, that we haven't really made the progress that we pretended to have or that we thought we had, and, and that this has been more openly exposed for the ugliness that it is. And, I'm, and I frankly think that that allows us to address it in, in a way where we can work together for a better future. So that's that's my positive spin on it. And I, and I do think for international applicants who are considering a graduate education and whether they should come to the U.S. or instead go to Europe or Asia or stay in your home country where business schools and MBA education have improved immensely in the last quarter of a century, and many of those schools rival, if not even exceed, uh, many schools in the United States. I think I do share Carolina Maria's optimism for the fact that things here will change for the better. And that now, in this mess <laughs> that you see on television and in your newspapers and on your social media feeds, is, is actually an opportunistic time to apply and come to America and be part of a revival, a recovery of a solution. I've said this before, I'll say it again. There is no American exceptionalism. There is no secret sauce to America's success in the world other than the fact that we have been the beneficiary of the best and brightest around the world for decade after decade after decade. And we've given immigrants the freedom to pursue their ideas and their hard work in a way that it's paid off for this country in spades. That is the only secret to American success. There is nothing else. And it's important to remember that because people who are educated and progressive and thoughtful about our country's future understand that and know that the success, the future success of our country is dependent on our ability to attract the best and brightest from around the world and to give them to the freedom to pursue a life of rewards, a life that can be fulfilled and productive and help our country and all of Americans. So I'm hopeful on that sort of score, and we shall see. How does a business school teach something like this? You know, business schools talk about leadership and management, and and this is this is sort of a lesson here, I think, for for everyone. 
And, you know, I'll go back to the Adam Grant quote that I read earlier in our session here. This is a moment to remember that a loyalty belongs to principles over people, truth over tribe, and social institutions over selfish interests. Boy, there's a lot packed in that statement. And, and, and I think what has happened in these past four years with the worst president this country has ever seen in office is a true leadership and management lesson. Caroline, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, it's a lesson in how not to manage and how not to lead, which is also useful, right? It's, it's, it's also um, that's, it's a useful illustration of one extreme. And, you know, I, I think it's a, it's, a, it's a useful lesson in the importance of language and rhetoric and how that impacts culture and ultimately how that impacts action. And, you know, negative examples can be great sources of learning as, as, as can positive examples. But, the, but this is um, certainly uh, an, an example on, on one extreme. You know, Elon Musk had posted something interesting about how, um, you know, this is an example of domino effects, right? And I think at one end of the end of the end of this stack of dominoes, there was this example was, you know, you have you have a website rating the women on, on campus and then the other end of the domino you know, you're, you're invading the, uh, the capital, you know, just small actions and attitudes build up over time and, and really have true. an impact. And, you know, building a positive culture takes a lot of effort over time. And, and you know, we, we've had an example here of how, you know, negative language that was you know, dismissed by 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 um, Trump supporters as oh, that's just the way he is, right? It doesn't mean anything. Well, actually, it does mean something because it does trigger action at the end of the day, and that, you know that's very important for for young people to be aware of as they as they go off into leadership positions. You know, that their actions and their words will be interpreted by other people, and you know it's so important to set set a positive action, set, set a positive example. In, in everything that you do and you say when people are looking up to you. Now, let me, let me ask the two of you this, and you're going to laugh about this question, I think. How is it that a Wharton could admit and educate a Trump? How is it that a Harvard Law School could admit and educate a Ted Cruz? Or how is it that a Yale Law School could admit and educate, along with Stanford, Josh Hawley? Are these admission mistakes? What do these reflect about the institutions that we talk about and we write about every day? Maria? Well, first of all, I think that some of this, some of this stuff comes from a good, a place of good intention, right? We need there to be vigorous intellectual debate on campuses. We do need for there to be differing political opinions, uh, you know, for us to have those, those robust debates. In terms of, I, I'm not sure if the if the Hollies, Trumps, and Ted Cruz's of the world, I don't know if it's so much like their their political stances, or if it's more of a sort of psychopathy, like a, a real. I mean, I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm sort of joking, but I'm not really like a sort of narcissism, a malignant narcissism. That how can you, as an admissions officer, really in the in a couple of essays and a and a very very polished interview get a sense of whether or not someone is you know, really does lack a moral, moral code. So I, I'm not sure how a school can prevent it. Uh, in terms of the Bushes and the Trumps, it's obvious that the schools are letting them in because they want money or they want prestige. So 
that's that's not really uh, surprising to me either. I do hope, though, that based on this, that the business schools do start realizing, and also the law schools, perhaps on some level, that they have perhaps a broader mandate to society to not simply teach people, okay, here's the, you know, here's what bankruptcy law is, step one, step two, step three, or here's what a marketing plan is, step one, step two, step three, but to also educate these future leaders about topics that they clearly might not know a lot about. Uh, things like, you know, uh, systemic racism, things like the value of immigrants to the United States and how so much of what we take for granted now as American success was built on the backs of either immigrants or immigrants' children. So, you know, or environmental things, right? That that there really is, it's not a, it's not a matter of opinion anymore about, oh, do I think the environment's getting worse? Like, no, not really. It's kind of scientific fact. So, I would like to see the business schools, just like in the wake of Enron, HBS started teaching an ethics class. I would like for them to sort of expand that curriculum a little so that nobody, I mean, people might not believe it. They might be like, oh, this is all a bunch of, this is all a load of trash, but at least they're exposed to some of these societal issues so that they don't go out into the world and continue to perpetuate these inequalities. Yeah. Well said. Caroline? Do business schools make admission mistakes? <laughs> well, you know, it's not a perfect process, right? There's no scientific formula for admissions. It's more of an art than a science. And, and, and therefore, you know, there's, there is no way of predicting exactly how someone's going to behave in the future. And also, you know, people do change, right? And so, you know, for sure, business schools and other, you know, all educational institutions will end up admitting people who, you know, at the, at the end of the day may, may reflect badly on that institution, right? It's, uh, there's, there's always going to be a few bad eggs. Um, hopefully, it's a small number rather than a large number. And, um, <laughs> and, and, you know, unfortunately, it's just they garner a lot of attention, right? And, you know, I'm sure Wharton is sick of the association with Trump. And, you know, it, 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 it's, it, it's tough for the school because there's not, not much you can do about it, right? Well, you could, take, you could take his diploma away. And I know it's just a symbolic action, but it is another, another way to socially ostracize a, a person who has basically brought shame on your institution. I mean, the, the reports show that he was a poor student to begin with. One professor was quoted as saying he was the dumbest goddamn student I ever had in my career. The admissions director uh, is on record saying that um, a meeting was held with Trump as at the request of his father because he had a lot of money. There's some questions over whether or not someone else took his uh, SAT test for him to help him score more. His niece alleged that in her book. And now this is utter total disgrace in Washington yesterday incited by the president. I got to tell you, I would withdraw his diploma no matter what. And because the association that Wharton now has with Trump is ugly and awful. Mm. Yeah, it is. And schools have taking diplomas away from people. Stanford did it to an MBA candidate. People who've been involved in insider trading scandals who have degrees from Harvard or Wharton 
They may not have had their degrees taken away, but believe me, those institutions ran away from those alums quick enough, and names of buildings have been taken down when criminals were convicted and there were felons. You know, so so it's not uh, outside the realm of possibility of actions that can be taken by an educational institution to basically say, hey, you know, this is not right. This is not what our institution stands for. And frankly, we're shamed and embarrassed by what you've done. And if I was a dean over at Wharton, I'd be issuing a statement, essentially condemning Trump and taking his diploma away. That's what I would do. But hey, that's me. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. So there you have it. You know, we don't like to be political. And you know what? I don't think that this uh, podcast today was political. Trump does not symbolize the conservative ideology of the conservative party, of the Republican party that we once knew. It has nothing to do with that. This is, this is totally beyond partisan. This goes to the very heart of our democracy or even our capitalism, our system of capitalism in America. This is something that will take a long time to, I think, erase and to uh, unravel. But I do think for those outside, and and this is the point that I really wanted to get through to uh, our international listeners who are looking at this and thinking, my God, would I really want to study in that country after what I just saw on TV yesterday? I want to assure you that this is an aberration. This is not who we are. This is not who we want to be. And what you saw was the worst of America. And if you come here, you will see the best. This is John Byrne with Poets and Quants. Thanks for listening.